morning, good morning. Thank you, Caitlin. There we go. I think I'm on now. Yeah, I think you can hear me. How's everybody doing today? Middle of August. Summer's almost over. Starting to get cooler, getting lighter, later, darker, earlier. Man, so anyway, I just wanted to know if you heard about this story. It made the news, so I thought I'd share it with you. Is that all right? Sure, good. Okay, go ahead. Let's welcome our online guest today. God bless you. Hey, there's uh, there a fellow went by, you know, this is a great time of year for harvest season, and there's all these produce stands. The guy who goes by a produce stand, and he and his wife, they want to pick out this produce. They've got peaches, they've got watermelon, they've got sweet corn. And he notices a pig walk by him, and the pig's got a wooden leg. He says to the guy running the produce stand, he said, I have never seen that. That's amazing. I've never seen a pig with a wooden leg. He said, how'd that happen? The farmer says, well, let me tell you. That's Walter. He's a special pig. He said, really? He said, I've never seen it. He said, yeah. He said, my boy, Billy, was down at the pond. He said he got out a little far in the pond, got too tired, couldn't get back, started yelling. Walter heard him, busted out of the stall, ran all the way down the pond, jumped in the water, saved Billy's life. I said, that's amazing. Remarkable. He said, I suppose on the way out, maybe he cut his leg on something coming out of the pond. He said, no, that, that's not it. He said, well, how did he get his wooden leg? He said, well, let me tell you. He said, my other boy, Jimmy. He said, yeah. He said, he was playing a little too close to the road, and there was cars coming. Walter, the pig, saw that, ran out there, knocked Jimmy back into the yard, saved his life, didn't get hit by a car. I said, that's remarkable. He said, probably, what, the car clip his leg and... Nope, that's not it. He said, well, how did he get a wooden leg? He said, well, let me tell you. I'm getting there. He said, we had a house fire just a few months ago. He said, Walter smelled the smoke, knocked down the stall, got in the house, squealed, woke us all up, saved our lives. Guy said, that is remarkable. Obviously, burn his leg. That's how he got. He said, nope. He said, well, how did he get his wooden leg? He said, well, let me just say that a pig of that caliber, you can't eat all at once. <laughs> Aren't you glad you waited for that one? <laughs> I was looking at people, they just, no, no, well, moving on. I thought it was cute. Plus, that doesn't really matter at this point, does it? Well, I'm glad you're here at TLC today. It's going to be a great day. Uh, kids are heading back to school. The parents that are happy about that say amen. Yay. My kids are homeschooled. They were always home. So, you know, my wife didn't get a break on that. <clears throat> I want to talk to you this morning, and it, it's pretty relevant. I'm going to move this up just a little bit. Supply and demand. Supply and demand. We've all heard that. God's got this, though. I want to talk about We just sang about it. There's honey in the rock. God's got this. So we've all heard reports. Uh, we've heard about upcoming shortages. Uh, we've all experienced the wonderful gas prices. You can, you can start a conversation with anybody at the gas station about the gas prices. Somebody's got something to say. You know, we, we've seen it go down just a little bit, and we're all like, oh, finally. You know, uh, but uh, let's just be honest. It was a lot lower before, wasn't it? But a little bit's better than being high. I get it. Um, we've experienced stuff at the grocery store going up. Prices are going up. Wood has went up. And so if you're a builder or wanting something built to go buy lumber, that has increased. We were just told by uh, the company that supplies the things here for the church and the restrooms and stuff. They said to purchase things 
uh, before September, September 1st, those prices are going up 18%. And, you know, so we're all seeing that. If you've been in Marion, I don't know how it is in other towns, even in the past, if it snows or there's a good snow coming, go to Walmart, go to Myers. The bread aisle is ransacked and the milk is all gone. It's like, ah. So, I, you know, we, we know we are hearing all these things that are coming, these shortages, and some people are panicking. Uh, at our house, we have a garden now, and this is the first year we've had a garden in a long time. It's kind of cool to so feel like I'm Charles Engels eating off the land, so to speak. But, it's, you know, it's kind of cool. But we're not doing it because we're panicking. We're just doing it because the garden was already there. And we thought, hey, let's, let's just make a garden. It's been a lot of work, but it has also been rewarding. But America, we're used to uh, being able to get pretty much what we want at any time, aren't we? If you want something, you ever just got home and you're like, I just don't feel like cooking? My, my son, Zach, was out at our house. Now, we, we live, you can't see the house from the road. I mean, because it's back in the woods. He got whatever that is. Where they, what's where you deliver stuff? DoorDash. I, I, he's like, Dad, I'm already here. I'm like, okay, I'm on my way. I get there. He's already eating. I'm like, did you go out and get food? He goes, DoorDash. I said, how much did that cost? He goes, it was pricey. <laughs> so I asked him the other day. I said, how, you know, does that cost? He goes, well, you're paying for convenience. You're going to tip the driver, and you're paying tax and everything. So he said, let me just say, if you have like a $10 order, it's going to be about double that. But then you don't have to get out and go anywhere. I said, oh. But we are used to, as Americans, we're used to having everything we want as close as we want. I mean, you know, I told you just the other week, my son Sam, the one house he had, and he still has it now. He's made his house kind of a smart house, and he just hollers out to Alexa, whoever she is. You know, you can tell your phone, Siri, and if it, if you, it learns your voice, it'll, hey, Siri, my phone thinks I'm using it. But, you know, you can, he'll just say, hey, Alexa, turn up the lights in the living room. The lights will go on. Hey, Alexa, lock the door. The door will lock. I mean, we're just so used to those things. We're used to having, if we needed it, we, we never worried about being out, bread, milk, toilet paper electronics, cars. Now, if you go to a car dealership, it's hard to get cars or, you know, people are ordering cars. It's taking them a long time. We have a part for the sound. If you're wondering, our sound machine is over here, or machine or the soundboard, because a part went wrong. It's still under warranty. We sent it back. It costs about $900 to $1,000 for a brand new part, but ours is, doesn't cost anything because it's under warranty. But they're saying, they're saying, it's going to be six months because they can't get parts. So the soundboard is here. They're running everything by the iPad and everything back in the back. So sometimes it takes some time to get up here. They've had to make adjustments. And we just have to, you know, not that you need to know that, but we're so used to having everything the way we want. If the sound isn't just right and those that are watching online, you know, they'll, they'll write in, hey, the sound, we can't hear the sound. And I get that. But we are doing everything we can to make that work. Experts now say that they could get worse before it gets better. Things, uh, you know, in the world. And there's a shocker for you, huh? But where is the line? Where is the line for us to go, you know what, I've, I can't really change the world, so to speak, by myself, but I can change myself. I can work on me. 
it's almost like, you know, why don't we just look at what we can do for, you know, us? If we fix us, so many times we're trying to fix everybody but ourselves. Where's the line? And who is snapping that line? You know, when my kids grew up, if I could go back, I probably would change some things. You know, but we didn't know. You know, we were doing the best you can to parent the best way you know how. I'm sure my parents did the best they could. So I'm doing the best I can. I didn't have all the answers about this or that. And so you kind of almost feel like Star Trek. You almost feel like you're going where no man has gone before. I'm going to take this step out. And I'm, here's what we're doing. So, you know, mom and dad would set the rules. And the kids, you know, and sometimes we would say, okay, we need to rethink this. Has that happened to anybody but me? But as believers, we're not supposed to be subject to economic times. So what I'm going to talk to you about this morning, <laughs> I'm preaching to myself. So I'm preaching to you, talking to myself, preaching to myself. But it's stuff I need to hear. We're not supposed to just survive during times of famine. We're supposed to thrive. We're supposed to look different than everybody else. Job 5, 20 and 22 says, He'll save you from death in the time of famine, from the power of the sword in the time of war. You'll be safe from slander. Have no fear when destruction comes. You'll laugh at the destruction and famine. Wild animals will not terrify you. The world will tell you you're going to get everything that we get. You get the same fate as we get. But when this all comes down to it, when this whole planet is over and we're done, if you're a believer, you ain't getting the same fate. That's not how this works. But it is true that while we're on this earth, it does rain on the just and the unjust. Things do happen. We get that. But the problem or the difference from the just and the unjust, there are people that aren't believers. They don't care about Christ. They don't care about Jesus or God. To them, he is not their provider. But to the believers, he is. To the believers, he is. He is their provider. He is who they look for. He is Jehovah Jireh or Yireh. He is their provider. That's a big difference. The Bible talks about us being part of the world, but not really. We're in it, but not part of it. We are separated from this world's system. And sometimes you have to shake off what you hear on the news, Fox and CNN and be cautious of what you listen to. I'm not saying don't listen to the news. I'm just saying make sure that what you're listening to has truth. But there are things because what we allow in our eye gate, our ear gate, or whatever. In other words, what we listen to, what we see, we'll put, it will put limits on us because in the natural, we'll feel overtaken by some of what we see. We are deceived. We have to take the limits off because God has no limits. And he wants us to trust him. He is limitless. We are the ones that tie his hands. But God wants us to have, listen to this, he wants us to have our, again, please understand, I'm not trying to step on your toes, I got band-aids on my own. He wants us to have all of our bills paid. How many would like to have all your bills paid? I like it when bills are paid, don't you? I like it. 
He likes us living debt-free. How would they like to have their house paid for, their cars paid for? I would like that, everything paid for. He does not want us to be indebted to be servant to other people. But as believers, he doesn't want us to fear the state of the economy. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I want to give you five reasons this morning, and I'll be quick, that God has got you. Supply and demand. He is your supply, and you and I, you and I must put the demand in. You have not because you what? You ask not. And he will bless the work of our hands. And I told you last week that zero in heaven is like zero here on earth. You have to be doing something. No matter what's going on in the world around you, God has got you. You have a purpose, and you can live your life that way. So here's our first thought this morning. So, so now I'm going to be talking a little bit about money, so if you're offended by that, just love me. I'm not going to, if, you, if you're, after I'm done, you're like, I'm not doing that. that. I'll leave that between you and God. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That's my job. Okay? We good? Here's our first thought. Be a tither. You can pronounce this Malachi. You're somewhere else, you can pronounce it Malachi. I, I really don't care. <laughs> Malachi 3, verse 11 says, Your crops will be abundant. I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The New Living Translation, that's what I just read. Now, here is the New King James. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, I'm going to take care of this for you. I will rebuke the devourer. That's pretty huge. So if I'm a faithful tither, I don't have to worry. I can be, so to speak, exempt from the world's way. What the world says I need to, you know, you must supply this or you must. God has a plan for you and for me. Now he wants you to be wise. There's nothing wrong with saving. We have a room. We have a pantry room down in our basement. We, we tease each other. We call it the apocalypse room. And it, and we've got all kinds of stuff in there from canned goods. We've got some of Sandy's amazing jelly down in that room. Valuable stuff. Peanut butter. All God's children love peanut butter. Look, I was raised on peanut butter. We don't have any Bronzwagger in there, so tell mom that's only served in hell. We don't have Bronzwagger there. And we don't have any methylate. That's devil spit. We don't have any of that down there either says, I will rebuke the devourer. So if I'm faithful, I don't have to worry. I can, let, I can trust the Lord if I'm listening and obeying what he's telling me. So if inflation goes up, maybe I can't stop it. Probably not. I can't, I can't go to some place and say, I need you to lower gas down to this price. They're going to look at me and go, uh, no, you don't have that kind of authority. But I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about the economy having a downturn. I can be aware of it. But I must be more aware, I don't know who I'm talking to today, of my God. I must be more aware of something bigger than what I'm facing, something bigger than what I'm looking at, something bigger than what everyone else seems to want to experience or express. I want to express what God says. The Bible says, tithing is an open door for God to meet my needs, bless me, and keep me prosperous. He's got promises for people that are tithers. Here's a couple of them. The devourer is rebuked for your sake. I told you that. It means he can't touch your money, your possessions, or your family. 
Now, you got to understand this because if you're like, well, I, I was tithing and this happened. Well, then you've got to get your perspective and, and find out, okay, God, why is that? Is there something that has caused that? Or has he got something better? Have you ever lost something just to get it replaced with something better than it ever was that you lost? The Bible says, we, and I've taught you this, when we, we have the authority and the ability, when money comes to us, when we work for it, it is in our possession. It is under our authority. And we're the ones that choose to put it into the kingdom by the authority. By our hands, it changes kingdoms. When it does that, and that tithe is brought in, that's when that fence line, so to speak, comes around you. The windows of heaven are opened over tithers. God says he'll pour out a blessing. I won't have room for it. And there isn't a tagline, as I read the scripture this week, unless the economy is bad. That tagline's not in there. I'll pour out a blessing unless gas prices are over $4. Only if you're doing well. There's none of those taglines. It just says, if you bring that into the storehouse, into the place of God, it says, I'm going to bless you. We're not subject to those times. The times are subject to us. We gotta do a paradigm mind shift here. We've gotta say to ourselves, you know, maybe we gotta get our mind on the plan that God has. Maybe we should live our life on purpose and say, God, what do you want me to do when we don't have enough? Maybe that's the time if God says, so that, then you do it. Kim and I have found that to be true. Our rights cover economic situations. They put us above, not beneath the economy, because I don't live, I, I'm, I live here, but I'm not of here. Wherever you work, God gave you that job, and they're just paying you for it. No recession is going to shut tithers' windows shut. Not even the Great Depression. I wasn't living through that, but I, I'm just saying, people that were faithful, God blessed. You see, the world is subject to its system and its economy. But as a tither, we have privileges. When the devourer comes to take our money, our seed, our job, our possessions, we have the authority to stop it because of what the word says. We can, we can put that word, it's already into effect, but we can declare. Come on, somebody. We can say with our mouth. I have rights. The word says I have rights. I'm going to enforce them now. If you've ever wanted to be Clint Eastwood, this is your time. Haven't you ever wanted to tell the devil? <laughs> you got to ask yourself. Never mind. If you don't know Clint Eastwood in that movie, that would probably not be good. But you have the authority to stop it. So when lack tries to come into your life, speak to it. You tell lack, you can't come here. You know, sometimes my wife will tell me, you know, you need to speak to this just like the passion you have to speak to somebody to be healed. And I get it. If you get laid off, say, Lord, okay, I'm thank you for the, I've got a greater job. Where's the better job? Maybe you're going to do something that will even give you more finance. You'll finally create the business that you wanted. Perspective. Word living. I live by the word. In him we live. Come on. We move and we have our being. It is God Almighty that walks with me. He talks with me. And so I am with him and he is with me. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
So we, we work and we live the way God wants us to do it. We begin to declare, I'll never go without. I am prosperous. I'm blessed. I'm a tither. The windows of heaven are open to me. If the door shuts, I'm looking for the window. My perspective has changed. He puts us over financially. Here's our second thought. Be a sower. Genesis 26, 12. Isaac planted his crops that year. He harvested 100 times more grain than he planted for the Lord had blessed him. He reaped 100 fold in the middle of a famine. So what is a famine? I looked it up. Famine is defined as a severe shortage, extreme scarcity, serious economic downturn. Sound familiar? Many would say the U.S. is there now or heading there quickly. But our exceeding great precious promise, Psalm 37, 19, they will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have, listen, more than enough. That's a promise. In famine, you'll have more than enough. That's why being a sower is so important. Before, when I came in today, the Lord had said, I need you to sow. So I wrote a check and told the secretary, send this to this ministry. Why? Because, now here's the thing. See, people think, well, but it didn't hit the mail. It doesn't have to hit the mail. It hit my heart. Because my heart had already separated it into the kingdom. Come on. So it's already doing what it's supposed to do. Supply issues don't affect the sower. Because we sow into the kingdom, not the world system. We're believing for God. I'm not looking for the government to supply my need. His kingdom isn't affected by the world. I put a demand on the word and God will supply. I have to talk to myself this week. I put a demand on the word and God will supply. Is his word true? It is yes and amen. There is no fault in his word. If his word says do this, I can do that and know I will get results. But I've judged people. And I'm sorry for it. Maybe you've done it too. There's bigger ministries, different towns, different cultures, where I've said things like this. Sure, they have a lot. Because they have a lot, they can sow a lot. They've got a lot of money, so they can give a lot. That can be true, but the perspective and the way it's said is wrong. And the Lord corrected me. He said they have a lot because they sow a lot. In other words, because they sowed into the kingdom, they understand the principle. I get cultures are different. I get areas are different. But God never changes. Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If there's anything in this world I can count on, there's nothing in the world. But there's something I can't. It is God. I can count on him. He doesn't change. Most people that are givers are generous people. And there seem to be never without money. Because it's a spiritual law. I can't change a law. If it works in the kingdom, I can't change it. If I don't believe it, it doesn't make it not true. It just means it won't, I won't get the blessing of it. The Bible says that God gives seed to the sower. In other words, he'll give you the seed so you can sow it. And if you continue to do what he says, he's going to give you more because he's going to trust those that will sow. And we control what comes back to us. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. 
Remember this. The farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. The one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Decide in your heart now, each of us, must on what to give. Don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need, plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So what you sow, you will reap. That is a law. I can't change that. I'm not going to try. Because that kingdom principle, that law works. They used to be, people say, well, if it's not enough to meet your need, maybe it could be your seed. I know that's kind of cliche. It's cliche, cash. What's that word? Cliche. There you go. I'm a learned person. I was homeschooled. Anyway, it was a gooder decision. <laughs> It sounds kind of cliche, but it, there, there's truth in that. There's times that we've had funds and, and we just felt like, okay, I'm almost there, but I need to sow this. And I would sow it and, and God would do something incredible. Now, I'm not telling you to do that, but if you know when, I, when we receive offering here, I don't take offering, I receive offering. Your offering doesn't go, I don't put it in my bank account. You know that, right? I have people that count that and sign off on that. You get a, a thing every year to say how much you gave, you know, all that's accountable to this government system and all of that stuff. I, I have a board above me on my executive board. They set my salary. I didn't set that. Did all of that stuff. I mean, all that's legal. So you need to understand, I don't, I try not to do gimmicks. I don't, I, I want you to know, that's why I've said to some people, if you're new here and you're like, I'm not giving, he just wants, to, you know, then keep your money. It's, that's up to you. God will help you. He will do whatever he needs to do to get things to you. Whatever measure you sow, you'll reap. Now, the founder of Hobby Lobby, his name is David Green. And he wrote a book, Giving It All Away and Getting It Back Again. And he, he shares in the book how it affected his, his life and business. He says, there's a phrase common in Christian circles that you can't outgive God. And so he tossed that phrase around. I'm just, this is a quote from his book. And he said he tossed it around more than once, and then God seemed to say to him, well, you haven't really tried, have you? Because he really hadn't tried to outgive God. So he decided to try. And he saw he would just give way above and beyond. And his company took off and increased right after that. And you know Hobby Lobby. So they just continued over and over until he reached a point where he was just like, this has got to be God. This is crazy. And he states he can't seem to get ahead of him. So this is why we shouldn't be afraid of what's going on in the country. Here's our third thought this morning. Be in covenant. You have a covenant. Deuteronomy 28.2, you'll experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. All of these blessings shall come on you and overtake you. That's the New King James version of that. Things like inflation. I'm not concerned about that. I'm not saying I like inflation. I'm not saying I like God or gas prices up there. I'm just saying I trust my God. Layoffs or whatever, God will supply. If he, if he needs to give me another way of income, he'll show that to me. Because I have a covenant with him, listen to me, that supplies all my needs. Not part, but all. 
So here's the refresher course on covenant. God makes a covenant with Abraham, giving him and his descendants the ability to prosper and get ahead in everything. And we know that story, Old Testament. Then through Christ Jesus, he blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. Galatians 3.14, I'm going to read that to you through Christ. God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So then if we are Christ, then we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's Galatians 3.29. That's in the New King James. So when we become a believer or Christian, we have the greatest inheritance you have ever known. It's not like, how many have ever looked at your bank book and said, I'm not happy with it? You, there, I'm just saying, you have an inheritance from God Almighty that is limitless. He can do anything, but we have to walk this thing out. Now, I don't want everybody just to go and say, okay, I'm looking tomorrow for you know, this in my bank that's not what I'm talking about. This is a matter of just saying, God, I am yours and you are mine. I'm going to be obedient. And that is where, and we'll get to this, where he'll show you his amazing miracles. He puts blessings in place so we don't have to toil or struggle or rely on man. It's established by him, but we have to enforce the covenant rights. Can, you, can I tell you that the enemy is going to try to deceive you from walking in authority? The world is uncertain and chaotic, but God is not uncertain. Even in the natural, we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to trust in the Spirit of God. God will take us from a dry place to an abundant rain. He'll take us from shaky ground to a solid foundation. He'll, he'll let God's promises. They'll do all the work if we just allow them to. What's amazing, I had my little uh, grandson with me yesterday, and he was on, we just put a play set out in the, in the yard. And he was up there, and it started sprinkling. And he goes, oh, no, it's raining. <laughs> and I said, yeah, we need, to, we need to tell that rain to stop. This is what Arrow does. He looks up at the sky, puts both fingers. He goes, rain, you top. G name. Jesus is chi. Chi name, something like that. And it was just sprinkling kind of hard. Do you know in like five seconds, it almost completely stopped sprinkling. And so we played for a little bit longer. And I said, Arrow, you know God used you to do that. I don't know if he understood all that. All he'd concerned about is he got to play longer. But it, it, is, it is grabbing the authority that God has promised. He wants you blessed his promises will do the work, but he wants you blessed. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God will generously provide all. Everybody say all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. It is his will for his people to prosper and enjoy life, always having all sufficiency. That's his plan. If you're operating in kingdom principles, no matter how high the water rises, you're going to rise to the top because you have a covenant. Here's our fourth thought. You have to be in faith. God is your source. This isn't rub a genie in a bottle. This is just God, you're my source. You are my plan A. First Corinthians 8, 6, but for us there's one God, the Father, whom all things were created, from, for whom we live, and there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. 
We need to mind shift. We need to stop thinking the world's way. God, you are my supplier. You are my source. The government is not your source. The government is not your source. If the government is your source, you have to serve those people. God does not want you dependent on the government. Now, he's not saying don't pay your taxes. He's not saying, he's saying do everything legally. So before I get misquoted, pastor told me I don't have to pay the government. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you got to be obedient. You got to be a law-abiding citizen. But your source is God. He wants you to be dependent on him. And he supersedes natural events by getting supplies to his people. He supersedes natural events by getting supplies. You might not know how it's going to happen, but he does. There's times, and I, I've, you've heard me say it before, there's, to this day, we had groceries, like we had five bags show up on our porch. We didn't have hardly any food in the refrigerator. We were making a very, very little amount of money. And, you know, we got kids looking at us, and you, parents, you all know that. You want to feed them. And you're not telling them, we don't have anything. You're not saying that. One time we went through a drive-thru, and how many liked the value menu? Mallory was just little. And so I had $20, I think. And, uh, and so we ordered the kids. You know, the boys always wanted not just one cheeseburger. Thank the Lord for a dollar menu. And I, I even tell them, you know, you can get four junior bacon cheeseburgers back in the day for less than what you could pay for a bacon, you know, baconator. Sam looked at me and said, have you ever tasted the difference between a baconator? I'm like, shut up. Just eat your four cheeseburgers. But anyway, I got the kids food and it came to like 19 bucks or something like that. I had 20. I didn't get myself any food. Isn't that what we, and we didn't say anything to our parents, you know, or to parents, to the kids. Mallory, she was sharp. She's sharp. She took a bite of her cheeseburger. Hers has to be cheese and ketchup only. That's the way Jesus would eat it, according to her. So cheese and ketchup only. But she saw that I didn't have a cheeseburger. And she goes, Daddy, where's your food? And I, I, this is what I said. I did a dad line. I'm good, honey. I'm just going to grab something when we get home. You know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm really, I don't have to eat right now or something. I, she turned around, those little big brown eyes, and she goes, you and have my cheeseburger. I'm like, I love you. So I ate her cheeseburger and made her walk. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Just amazing, though. You know, but God is, we get home, there's five bags of groceries. I mean, name brand stuff. Like Pop-Tarts. Not like pastry crumbs or whatever they're called. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, whatever the shells and cheese, the Velveeta and all that stuff, instead of, you know, I'm not saying food club isn't good. I'm just saying, but the kids are like, yes. You know, finally, little Debbie made the house. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, to this day, I don't know who put those there. But I thank God for it. I thank God for provision that I, he just took somebody. We didn't tell anybody, but he took care of us. He'll get it to you. The Bible says he supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.19. And that's the word for today, folks. He will supply. Not, not when the ship gets in. Remember that? Remember around Christmas time? There's ships out somewhere, and they had a bunch of toys. 
Remember that? And they weren't docking, so people were like, what are we going to do for Christmas? I don't have to worry about ships. If I need something, he'll get it. According to the covenant, he'll supply all of my needs, and I'll have more than enough. I don't live under the world's dominion rule. I live with God, and he lives with me. He's inside of me. Do you not know you're the temple of the Holy Ghost? The authority of God's word. This is what the times are subject to. Think about this if you're a believer. His word, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the power of the tithe, and the ability to sow and the harvest of your seed. He'll demonstrate provisional miracles that are contrary to natural events. He'll do stuff. He'll change things that are in the world system. And something all of a sudden, whoop, you get something. I mean, it's just amazing. We gave our tithe before we knew we had any. We didn't know what we'd even have left. And see, that's what we used to do. See what we have left. Then we'll just do whatever. But we gave it anyway and said, okay, God, this is yours. And somehow, I don't know how it happened, but our insurance company got a hold of us and said, guess what? You have a kickback. All this money's coming back to you. Can we mail this check to you? Why, yes, you can. So you know what we did when we got the check? We tied out of the check. And the blessing just keeps going. And people will tell you right now, you know, you can't get that right now. I don't get in agreement with whatever they say. They say, well, this, you can't get this item or whatever this is. If I need it, I'll get it. If I need it, I'll get it because God will take care of it. If I don't get it, I must not need it. I'm trusting him in that. Jesus is our source. The word is our supply. That's why the truth can set you free. I can't rely on natural things. I must rely on God. My faith has to be in operation with him. If I'm not in operation with God, if I, am, I don't believe and I'm not walking that way, then it blocks or ties his hands from giving me what I need or what I'm believing for. So many times I've tied the Lord's hands. My own fault. God today and every day wants to meet all your needs. And this is the last thought. Be expectant. It's on the way. Now put this phrase in here. The camels are coming. Genesis 24, 63, one evening he was walking and meditating in the fields. He looked up and saw the camels coming. As long as I'm in the will of God, he brings provision to me. One way or another, he makes it happen. I never, if I need it, I'll get it. Whether he uses someone else or whether he brings it supernaturally, I don't know. I don't have to be concerned because he supplies all my need. You say, Brett, I'm looking at bare shelves. My tank is on W for walk in my car. Then God will he'll, he'll make a way. And do whatever he says. It might seem silly. It might be like, God, I don't have anything, and you're wanting me to do this? Maybe you need another stream of income. Maybe he's trying to get another way, a net to you. We've been believing God for more nets. He's not limited to what you see. Matter of fact, he's really known for bringing things to his people in unexpected ways, through unexpected things. When Isaac, this is the scripture I got the camels from, when he looks up, he sees Rebekah coming, riding a camel towards him. 
And in Isaiah 60, verse 6, provision came Jesus' parents after his birth was foretold. Caravans of camels came bringing gold and frankincense. I mean, these guys brought stuff. Sometimes you, he'll bring you and you're not even looking for it. Can I get a witness? Hey, I came back from managing a fitness center. I've been competing in bodybuilding, came back, managed a fitness center, came back to town. I was going to work at Ponderosa, going to work full-time as much as I could there. I was already full-time back at the fitness center back here in town when it was around. I wasn't looking for a wife. Matter of fact, I had said, God, girls have fried me out. I'm done. The Campbells are coming. Because she, was, she wasn't a camel. Let me just state that. Before I get myself in any trouble. <laughs> I love you, honey. I didn't mean you're a camel. But she did have brown on, okay? I went back. Ponderosa said, would you come in? I want to interview you. You know, we'd like you to be our full-time day cook. And I said, sure. So I came in. And I'm meeting with the manager, which was her aunt at the time. And here she comes. She had a whole tray of steaks, and she was walking, delivering steaks. I did not, wasn't there looking, nothing. I was there to get a job because I wanted to pay the rent. She walked by, and the rest is history. I was like, who's that? And that, <laughs> I didn't know that was her aunt. She goes, you stay away from her. <laughs> but 37 years later, we're still together. That changed my life. You see, sometimes God will bring stuff and you're not even looking for it. But he heard you. In the midnight hour when you were crying out and you were believing and it seemed like nothing was happening, God was setting things in order. He's moving the chess pieces and you don't even know it. But he's got you. Whatever you need, he's got you. So the camels are coming. And they're loaded down. As far as your eye can see. I believe it. No matter what happens, he might have to rearrange things to get you to where it needs to happen. Think about that. You guys put some altar music on, if you would, real quick. Well, you probably can't real quick, can you? <laughs> All right. You probably got to run down here. Think about this. Scripture said that Jesus was coming, the Messiah was coming, and he would come from this specific spot. How are they going to get him there? So God just says, census. We need a census. Let's call everybody back, and that would bring him back. What are you telling me, Brett? I'm telling you, I don't care what God has to do he knows what you need, and he can order the chess piece to get you where you need to be. The camels are coming. You put a demand on what God has, because he's got the supply. You have not because you ask not. Start believing God for the things that you need. Lord, this is not my money. This is your money. What do you want me to do with it? You just be obedient to that. I, I have no gimmick to tell you. This is one of those you have to take a step in faith and say, look, I can do that. We've seen it over and over and over again.
the generosity of God. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, with every head bowed, every eye closed for anybody that's here today and those that are watching online that says, you know what, Brett, I have never given my heart to Jesus. So maybe this is the first time or maybe this is the hundred and first time. But you would like to dedicate your life back to him. And that's okay. If that's you, wherever you're at online, you can raise your hand. If you're in here, just put your hand up. And I'll pray with you. Yes, yes, yes. Today's your day. This is the day you get to come home. And you get to trust him. And stuff gets to fall off your back that you were never meant to carry. Repeat this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me for what I've done. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Today... I renew my life with you. Help me walk it out. I love you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, if you did that and you believed it, if you confess with your mouth, believe in, you in your heart and do not doubt, the Bible says when you call on the name of the Lord, you're saved. That means in heaven, your name is in the book. When they go down through there and do roll call, Brett, yep, here. They'd be like, good. You can avoid the oven. It's all good. Thank you, Jesus. So while we did that, now we're about to receive communion. The reason I did this first, because this is such a serious deal. We don't do communion lightly. We normally do it the first Sunday, but we did the interviews last week. We may do the interviews the second Sunday. We'll let you know, but they're all going to be every month. Uh, but it says not do it lightly. And so it says to be a member of the body of Christ. You don't have to be a member of True Life Church. That means Jesus is your Lord because... If you take this lightly, it says that we eat and drink judgment on ourselves. So it, it is a serious thing because this represents what he did on Calvary. That's why he died for you. So every healing you needed could be done. Provision, we just talked about it. That's why his blood was poured out. It wasn't just spilled accidentally. He did it on purpose. So your sins could be forgiven. So you could stand before a holy God. And that's what God looks for. He looks for that Jesus blood. That you've committed your life to him. That you've been atoned by what Jesus did on Calvary. You'll find a wafer in the, in the, the particles you were given. Let's take that wafer. And this, this stands for his body, which was, again, broken for you. Beaten for everything that you would need. Whether it's just a healing financially. Uh, maybe it's a healing physically, mentally, socially. Sometimes we just mentally, we, we've been beaten up mentally. He knows that. Let's do this together. Thank you, Lord. Then kind of peel that other thing back, and you got some grape juice here representing the blood that was shed for you. Thank you. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. You remember in the Old Testament, they used animals. And they used a lot of them. And certain ones for certain things and so many of them. And, and then Jesus came and he was the ultimate sacrifice. That's why John said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's why his sacrifice did everything. So we don't have to do animals anymore. Jesus did everything. And this represents what he did 
so that you and I can avoid the oven. Okay? Let's enjoy this together. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Give the Lord a big shout. Thank you. <clears throat> well, stand to your feet. Let's worship the Lord in our giving. And again, no gimmicks. I have people ask me, what if the, the Lord is telling me to do this? I'm not the Lord. If he's telling you to do it, my, my advice would be do it. You cannot outgive God. You just really can't. The founder of Hobby Lobby is trying to tell you that. And he didn't write the Bible. But he's living by those principles. So now, this is where we're going to take the authority of the monies that we're going to give. We're going to make them change kingdoms today because you have the authority to do that. Hold on to that money. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you have given me this money. I, by the authority you have given me now, take it out of the world system. Father, I put it into the kingdom. I thank you for multiplication. You have legal jurisdiction to do what you need to do with this money now. We bind the enemy. We bind lack. God, we lose provision in our lives. Thank you that your word states that we can sow. Because your word states that we know good things are coming. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. You can give online. You can text to give. You can mail it to the church. Whatever you want to do. <clears throat> so good to have you here at TLC today. Such a great day, and, and things are just going to continue to get better. I told the Dream Team, the cafe's moving along, the Dream Team area back there. We're going to be working some more on that in the next few weeks and trying to get that up and involved. So those that are leaders and are helping us do all that we do, there's a place for them to kind of camp out and relax and, and all of that stuff. So we're excited to get that because we can't do what we do without you guys. We just really can't. God is so good. I want you to have a great Sunday today. I want you to believe God for what you're believing God for. Rely on him. Be obedient to him and you can't go wrong. Father, as we dismiss, we thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Connection, class two is going to be up in the balcony. You don't want to miss that. There is food, some snacks, and we will watch your kids. So come and check that out. Yes, ma'am.